Welcome to Breaking Barriers. You know your path. We know the obstacles. And we can teach you how to tear them down. And now your host, CEO and founder of Adapting Social, John Vigero. Everybody, welcome back to Breaking Barriers. Today is an exciting day. We have somebody who you can call Dick, but he's not a jerk. He's a great guy, okay? He helps people, and he does so many great things in the sex space, right? So that sounds like, whoa, wait a second. I make sex. Sex is very unsexy, right? Like, (laughs) I deal with sex all day. It's the last thing I want to do is talk about sex, right? But for you today, I'll make an exception. I love it. Hey, Rich, I really appreciate it. And, and obviously with me is Megan, our CMO here. And one of the questions that I have though, right? So out of the gates for people who are like, who is Richard Matthew Mills, right? What would you have? My mom only says my middle name. (laughs) How, How could you best summarize yourself for people who don't know who you are? Well, I have a, I have a practice. I'm a, a board certified sex therapist. I have a practice here in New York. Uh, and yeah, I focus a lot on sex, sexuality. Uh, I do, uh, I'm also, I work with EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And I use, that's what I do. So that's kind of why I, I deal primarily in the realm of sex. Um, I do some writing on the side and things of that nature. Yeah. So talk about your writing then. So I have a book. It's called Afternoon at Bergdorf's. It's a fictional novel. It's kind of like American Psycho meets Sunset Boulevard, right? It's about this woman that has dementia. And it's kind of like her, you know, she's... Jessica Tandy was really the... She was the... the, the inspiration when for the character. I went and saw um, Sunset Boulevard and I saw Glenn Close perform her. And I just started thinking of, it was originally two books and basically it ends at, uh, ends at Bergdorf Goodman. So it's cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a little fictional fun story. Deals with like lots of histrionic, lots of narcissistic personality disorder, lots of fun. Yeah, so that's kind of what I do on the side. I'm working on a, another book right now um, and hopefully that will be out. It's just one of the many things that I do in addition to doing what I do for profession, yeah. So, so sex doctor, right? So people listening, they're like, what does a sex doctor do, right? So, well, so, so I'm like a penis whisperer, right? So people come in with ED and like, so a lot, lots of guys have anxiety issues, right? So I use EMDR and so I'm like the, like you work, sex is very relational, right? And um, a lot of times, especially during COVID, people have been, it's sex has became very unsexy because people were living together, right? Mm-hmm. They're working together. They're working in their bedrooms where what happens? Sex takes place, right? So, you know, one of the things is, is I help primarily men, I work with men, and I have a few um, clinicians that work in my practice as well that I just brought in. And we work in, you know, the realms of sex. Sex is a very complicated process. It's very different than couples therapy or 
you know, what you would do in individual therapy. But I found what I'm finding is I, EMDR works amazing. So, you know, I don't know. I'm noticing I work with couples too. A lot, there's a lot of breaking up going on. And so I'm doing a lot of breakup therapy with people. So I'm helping them understand that they don't really want to be together. Right. And helping them exit the relationship. Okay. Let's backtrack. What is EMDR? So what it does is it it used to be used with combat vets, right? So people that were uh, veterans. And then what they started to do is they noticed that uh, it was dealing with trauma, right? But it was also, I used to use it for anxiety. And what it does is it, it goes back to the original first time when you experienced whatever it was that you experienced, so um, a lot of times guys will take medication, right? They'll take the, you'll you'll see the advertisements for like ED medication, or they're taking SSRI for um, rapid ejaculation issues. And what I'm finding is that um, I've I've been working with guys using this modality, and it's it's a lot more than just taking a pill, right? So, but that's one of many things that I do, you know. Um, I didn't ever think that I would have wanted to be a therapist, right? I went, so I went and got my master's of social work and then I said, screw this. I don't want to do this all day. Right. And then I went into higher education and I said, screw that. I really don't want to do that. So I went back into it and then I really started to see a lot of people coming in uh, dealing with sex issues. So that is why I started uh, dealing with it in my practice. And I, I said, I need to get certified in dealing with it. So that's, that's pretty much what, what I do. Yeah. No, I, and listen, we appreciate that, Rich. And I think one of the things though, that we're not talking about yet is that obviously there's an entrepreneurial spirit that comes out of what you're doing, right? So you went from higher ed where you technically worked for somebody else um, and, you know, social worker, you know, obviously working with somebody else, but serving the community, obviously, around you at large. Um, sure. And then fast forward, you know, now you're an entrepreneur, right? Now you're somebody who's running your own business. Um, you know, you're running your own practice. Um, what Was there a certain switch for you that was like, okay, listen, like, I want to go from this to this? Did it have to yeah. do with So... To answer your question, yeah. So when I started, I was working in an agency and then I eventually, I actually was working in an agency and then I went to work in, under somebody's license and they had lost their insurance licensing, right? And so everybody was like sitting around like, what are we gonna do? We're not gonna be able And so I saw this program, it was a marketing program. And I said, you know what? I can either sit here and be like sad about what's happening or I can like go and learn how to do this marketing. So with therapists, it's not just like life coach, therapist, people, you want your book to be sold. Nobody's, I used to play in a band and nobody cares about your band as much as you do, right? So it's it, it truly is the point, right? And I think the thing is, is that people it don't, a lot of therapists have to understand like, you're not just a therapist, you're also the accountant, Right. Unless you have QuickBooks. I mean, the hours that I'm sitting there taking receipts you're and like. You're still the yeah. What did you say? I said, even if you have QuickBooks, you still have to put things in it. 
Yeah, I mean, and so the thing is, is that it's not it's not just a job that you set and do, right? You're not just dealing with a you're dealing with human life, right? Mm -hmm. But you also have to understand that it's a business, and in order to make this is the biggest lie that you have to have money to start a business. You do not. I think you have to have vision, right? So, like, if we look at some of the greatest people who have started businesses. I mean, if you look at Apple, Steve Jobs started in his in his, his mom and dad's garage. Well, hold on, you're talking to my soul. Keep going. Right. So yeah. I think the thing is, they had a vision, right? You have to have a vision. Eventually, like, I don't just want to be a practice. I want to be a teaching institution, right? And I think it's like you also, one of the things to understand is like, it's not about the money, it's about happiness. So my yeah. currency is happiness, right? I used to go to a job and it was rough work. And I said, I don't want to work for somebody. I want to do what I'm happy doing. Is it a headache? Yeah. But it's a hustle, right? You got to be out there and you got to hustle. But the thing is, is that it's not, it's not complicated. It's about being organized. And it's also about like being able to think of it in terms of like, this is where I want to do. I also started out working a full-time job. I was teaching at a bunch of different campuses and I was trying to start doing this private practice wow. and I was busy, busy, busy. But eventually like I just stopped teaching cause I don't, I don't have time to do that. That's not where my joy is. Totally. And let me ask you a question. So what is like what is success like what do you define success as what is success own, own eyes like what like i mean where like your happiness is at peak because of this situation success is being able to give to charity i and that's another thing i give a lot to charity because i understand that a giving heart is the heart that gets a big return right like if I give, I'm gonna receive in other ways. And it's not in the financial ways either. It's also the people that I bring in that are working with, that work with me in my practice. I want them to be ethical therapists. A lot of these practices, they're bringing people in, these these people that are pre-licensed and they're not paying them. And so they're bringing in like all these clients and then they're, you know, maybe they get charged an X amount of fee and the, they're getting 30% and you're, the person, the owner's getting like 70%. Well, my model is very flipped. My clinicians, make 70%, I probably make 30% of their fee, right? Because I have to have operational costs to be able to run things, but I it's about taking care of people. That's success that you know when somebody leaves, they go, oh my God, I, this, this makes sense. Like, I love what I do. I want people to love what they do. And I think like being, having a joyful heart, right? And that goes into this whole concept of, leading with kindness, right? Um, and being a student, those are the biggest things. I think one of the things I love every day, I get to work from home. I mean, that's another thing, right? But the thing is, is that the problem was when the pandemic happened, I had this office space. So wow. I was paying a lot of money. So now yeah. I'm like, yeah. nobody wanted to do virtual therapy, right? And now like, Nobody wants to go into the office. So I do, I have, I have like one day a week, but I think it's like being able to like hang out with my cats all day. 
right? I mean, like being able to, like those are the things, being able to build a legacy, that something that you're proud of. And I think nobody taught me how to do business. Yeah, so listen, what I love that you're saying so far, so everybody listening right now. So right now we're talking about happiness. We're talking about understanding the fundamentals to what grounds you and makes you want to go after your dreams, right? And make, and make sure that you're not only making effort and making money, but you're giving back, right? But I want to talk about location, right? Because in anything, any business, the three, the three phrase word is location, 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 right? So you're in New York City. You could technically do what you're doing in Idaho, making potatoes. So kind why, of. why New York? So I want to, well, I, I mean, I just, I live here. I'm like oh. kind of, what, what was that? What was that? Where, where did you live before New York? Oh, I lived in a little, a little, little state in the middle of the country called Indiana. Lots okay. of corn. Right. So I knew that, but I want the listeners to know that. So you moved your Indian ass to freaking New York City, okay. right? So, Okay, That's I'll tell you the story. I was working a job that I absolutely hated. I got let go from that job, had $500 in my pocket, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna go move to New York. So <laughs> I, I had my mom and dad come and get my stuff. My lease had ended. I was sleeping like, it was, a, it was the worst year. I think I cried like every day that I was here. And then eventually I was hustling. I, I had to I had to take all my education off of my um I had to take all everything off my resume. Like I was finishing up my doctorate because I couldn't even get a serving job. It was like it was horrible. But I did it and I'm glad that I did it. And I hustled, hustled, hustled. And that's what I understood is that nobody's gonna bring it to me, right? I have to be the one that's gonna sit and and hustle. But eventually, like through that whole experience i'm glad i went through that i love that and i think that's the problem with most people is that they wait for opportunities to happen and they blame the poor me card or why it's working and life is about attack right and getting after it's the offense not only the defense so i love that you there's said a method too, right like you you had to assess the risk to pick up everything from indiana everything you've ever known and move to new york for the vision that you have for what you're doing today. So I think a lot, of people, <laughs> a lot of people don't think that though. They think like, oh, I want to be here, but it's too risky and I'm comfortable where I am. And what if this and what if that? And yeah. people don't make those facts. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's here's the thing. It's not brain, it's not like brain science. New York is like tough. I wish I would have moved here when I was like 18, 19 versus right. waiting until I'm 30. I mean, trying to go up and down those like subway stairs it's just it's hell right oh, so yeah. that i think i think that there is a market out there for anybody and anything my license right as a therapist gives me the opportunity to do what i love right to work with the people that i want i don't want like if if you called me and I, you weren't the right fit for me. I would say I don't think I'm the person to. I, I don't think I'm the person to be your therapist, right? I want to work with the people that I have specific things that I like working with guys, right? I like working with guys that have difficult times talking about their emotions, right? That have sex problems and intimacy problems. So you said talking about emotions, like wait, is that okay? Sure, we can, do, we can start doing some therapy right now if you want. But the thing is, is like it doesn't you the the people that I look up to 
are the people that kind of say, you know what, I know what it looks like. And I think this is what I will say. I know somebody right now that's kind of like, I think I want to do X, right? They want to do this. And I'm like, just do it. Just do it. Just, just do it. And it doesn't have to be perfect, mm -hmm. right? I'm a big advocate of don't let the pursuit of perfection stop your progress. Yeah, I think somebody a lot, said, a lot of people are perfect. And I've never been that guy. Sure. No. I mean, I was like getting, you know, like I have to constantly say it's not about being perfect. It's about saying I'm going to do it because I made a lot of mistakes along the way. But I also understood, like, what is my risk for the for the thing that I am taking? What is my what is the risk that I'm going to take right now? Right. And what is like. Is it a lot of rest, right? Or is it something, right? I do, I'm trained as a family and divorce mediator. That was an investment into my practice, but I don't really like doing family and divorce mediation. But I'll tell you what, it's helped me to help uh, help couples. Yeah, I bet. It's, so I, <laughs> what did you say? Especially this past year when everybody is home with their oh, spouses. Man. People, it's a whole new world. It is a whole new world. Therapy has changed. The whole concept of the way that we experience and do therapy is very different. It's no longer just sitting in an office. Question. So for people listening out there, right? Now, when I was, when we were like, throughout my, throughout the journey of like adapting social, when I would work with entrepreneurs and ask them questions about like how they would balance their lives and like, make time for their family and like, like their kids or whatever they did a lot, almost probably like, let's call it maybe 85 to 90% of them are like, there is no balance. And I know a lot of people, if like you're scaling something, there's a lot of risk, meaning like limited time you have to do things with your family or yourself, whatever. So in your mediation for divorce, I'm just curious. And I want, I want the people that are listening who are entrepreneurs, maybe future entrepreneurs to, under, to maybe listen in on some insight from you. Have you faced anybody who has been like a busy entrepreneur where like one person's just not feeling the love or like, you know, it's just like, Oh yeah. I mean, relation, it's like, it's very unsexy to own a business, right? Like I think that people, you have to like, you have to make time. You have to understand. I know that I can get very consumed into my work, right? Because I'm yeah. doing all these things, but I also have to understand, like I have to make time for my relationship. Totally. So there has to be like a, like there was somebody and I would say what I started to do, it's called the 12 week year. Have you ever heard of that concept? And you have like 12, you treat each, each week, like a month. And you, you really see some things really move. And the whole thing is, is like, it's just not growing a business and making a lot of money. The, the reality is, is that you will not be happy past $70,000 a year. Megan's like, I agree. You'll be happy. Your lifestyle would change, right? You'll start to make more money. And then what happens is, is you start trying to live up to the expectations of other people. Mm. So people drink more. Maybe they smoke more, right? I used to be a chronic smoker. I quit smoking. I'm now saving about $14,000 a year. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of money. First of all, yeah, 
I used to be you're a worker. Asking, you're asking that. I know it's not easy. It's not an easy habit to quit. But the point is, is that I think the thing is, is you have to understand that it's important to separate your work from what happens, right? It's also very important to understand, like, you have to make sure things are in check. Your spiritual life, right? Your emotional life, your relational life, um, all the other parts of your life, your fitness life, right? Every day, right before this, I went down and I was do I swam 40 laps in my pool. I love it. I did 20 laps a day. That's good, right? So, because yeah. I gained all that weight during COVID, right? Because I was just I'm eating and eating. That's it. I'm coming to New York. That's it. Yeah. So I think the thing is, is that owning your own business is a concept and where do you want it to be? So where does Lake Rising Therapy go next, right? right. I want to be eventually a CEU provider, right? So for things that are related to like through the state, teaching, becoming like a teaching institution rather than just providing therapy. Mm -hmm. right. So that's kind of where I see myself. But how do I get there? Is it perfect? No. Is that, do I have an idea of what it is? Yeah. Do I have a vision? I mean, one of the things is, is just to put your feet, your one foot in front of the other, right? I, I love that. I freaking love that. Quick pause for our sponsor. First up, we have Hatteras, which I'm gonna hit for this time around, Meg. Um, so this podcast is sponsored by Hatteras, which is your print-based communications with services ranging from high-impact direct mail packaging uh, to retail graphics and environmental branding. Hatteras helps global brands, I mean global, from BMW to massive like Fortune 10 companies engage with the target audience through the power of print. Um, reach out to Hatteras at hatteras.us for help with your next big project or even small project. They do it all. Um, now, one thing I have a question for you on is, so we went over a lot of great stuff, and when we were on our first initial call, by the way, Rich, I, yeah. I literally, I was, I was very, very like inspired, obviously, by what you're doing, what you're going on. Um, obviously, your move to New York because that is not easy. Um, so, one of the biggest questions we always get is like understanding the routine slash um, habits of the entrepreneur, right? So, like, is there like a specific routine you have, maybe for your morning, maybe for your evening? If how does if if I was Dick Mills? What would my morning and Dr. night look like? Dr. Dick. If you were Dr. Wow. Dick. What would my morning and night look like? So my morning wakes up. I, I wake up at, at 6 o'clock every morning, right? Okay. I connect with my, my higher power, right? I connect spiritually. I get, I get like, grounded for the day, right? Um, and then I, I, I generally play my little, my cello over here. I play that. Yeah, I play a little cello. I I do one lesson a one lesson a week for like forty five minutes. I was really bad at it this week. So I wake up, I get connected, and then I set my intention for my day. Right? I know that I'm going to be working with people's lives all day. Right? So yeah. I need to make sure. It's also I think one of the things is is people like. You like some people drink a lot, right? And I think what, that's one of the ways people deal with stress. P like people are paying me a lot of money to sit with me, 
to help them resolve their stuff, right? So I think that's one of the things that's important is like making sure your mind is clear, but really being able to shut it off. I used to take clients anytime. And then I started to say, you know what? I don't, on certain days I work late and then certain days I do not. This is an exception. Today was an exception to the rule because I was meeting with you guys. I'm honored. Hey, we love. That's so we love. What, what did you say? That's what we love you for. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that it's important. Like, but I think it's important before I go to bed. I read every night. I think that's also an important. I like to shut. I turn this thing off, and I sit and I've been reading Stephen King's The Stand, which is like literally the longest book, and I have forty more pages to get through. But I, the same thing, I wouldn't do. I also think this is the thing. I'm not going to ask my clients to do something that I don't do. That's smart. You gotta practice what so if I, I, I say to them at the end of each session, I'll say, so let's set our intention for the week, right? What are we going to do for this week, right? And I'll share. I'll say, you know, I need to get through this book or I'm going to practice. I think everybody just needs to find their cello. Yeah. Now, when, when you're asking that question, is it mainly sex-based because coming to you for sex issues? No, it's how are we going to take care of ourselves this week? What? I mean, nobody's going nobody's to take care of you. Right. Right? Question. Yeah. Question. So, when, so obviously, you mainly, you're the penis whisperer, as you said, right? So my question, my question for you on that note, I like you smirked when I said it. So my, my question, though, is, is that, what do you find is the most common thing that is like boom you get guys out of their heads like is it like a mental thing is it it's like, all a mental thing. so i want to make clear that in sex therapy like it's a licensed profession it's a licensed field and there is no like touching it's not like sex surrogacy oh, right i think people have this really weird like Tim, let me reframe my question so like what is it that like okay let's just say the, let's just call it an average obviously there's HIPAA compliances, so obviously you're not going to tell us about your patients. But if you had to average it out, is it like, okay, typically most of the guys that come to you with ED issues, right? Or, yeah, ED issues. Like, is it more mental? Is it like there's there's a physical issue? Is it just they're old? Well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you a generalized story. So a patient comes in. You're like, they're like, I can't have sex. I'll say, do you masturbate? Yes. How often do you masturbate? They say, I masturbate every day. I'm like, good. That's good, right? So we know it's not a medical thing, right? So I'll say, so what happens when you get, when you go on stage, right? So generally, and that's what EMDR does, is we look back to go back to when the person has the same feeling it's like a performance so they experience mm -hmm. performance anxiety so we call it erectile unpredictability and that's what the piece says and so a lot of it is dealing with anxiety do you think that let me ask you a question so in the past we've had people that have been associated like with us in different ways that have thought or had like different types of like let's call it orgs that they follow, nonprofits they follow, that feel that like porn is a massive issue in this feeling because it's like expectation. Corn, like the band corn, that is an issue in society, <laughs> in reality. I'm saying, so we've had people come to us and say shit like, hey, you know, 
people like that, let me give you a quick example, right? Because this is what this is the example that I was given, right? It's like here's the example. So you 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 essentially laid it out as a stage, right? So it's like when you're in your own personal time, and you know you're looking at porn, right? Let's just say you're a male, and you know yeah. you're obviously looking at porn of female, right? And sure. Whatever. Yeah. So so you're looking at porn. So let's just say you straight got- women. Lots of straight women look at a lot of gay porn. Really? They do. Okay. That's yeah. They look, I mean, it's a thing, right? So, anyways, go on. So, so my point. Let's, let's just use the let's just use the scenario. Let's just use a quick alias. So let's just say there's uh, Chris, and let's just say there's another avatar called Angela, right? So there's these two avatars, right? So uh-huh. now they're married. They're in this position, right? Now in this position, obviously, Chris is the person that is utilizing porn, right? But the what the example that I was given is that if you're looking at your research in porn and you're seeing different types of women that like you want to see as, as a married male, by the way, and like obviously certain aesthetics on the women that you want to see, and then you go back to your wife and they're completely different, there's performance issues. So as a doctor in that field, do you have any sort of thing to say about that? Now, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying what I was no. doing. I don't, I don't know because our, when people type in like, like, so like people will like type in like fantasy things that, and like there's, there's Uber porn, like not that you're going to have sex in an Uber, but I mean, there is Uber porn. I didn't know this. One of my, like apparently porn on Twitter is like a huge thing. So I had to, I went on Twitter and I had to unblock, I had to undo my settings. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of porn on Twitter. Anywho, there's just lots of porn. Like, you just have to know the search words. But so the thing is, is like, no, I don't think that porn and um, people watching porn and ED are, I think it's much deeper. Okay, cool. Okay, so I'm just asking you because you're the doc. So. What well, I-, I think it's like if we could solve ED issues with medication, then guys wouldn't be coming into in, therapy. Right. Yeah. ED That's issues true. send blood flow to your, like ED medication sends blood flow to your penis. It doesn't help you to be aroused. Right. Right. So I think it's like there's a pathology like, oh, they watch too, they watch too much porn. I don't subscribe to that. I think that porn can be a very, our parents don't tell, uh, porn teaches us what our parents don't. <laughs> yeah, very true. Right? Very true. I mean, and like to your point, people, the only thing there is like comparison, right? Where it's like, especially for people who are into extreme porn, right? That, that fantasy porn that you're talking about, where you see that but maybe your partner wouldn't necessarily be into that and you don't know how to voice okay. it and that's the other that's getting you aroused, right? And then you, you know what's around. funny? What's funny is we had to do this thing with um, Dr. Needle at the Modern Sex Therapy Institute's ASECT, which is the board that I am um, certified under. They require everybody to do, um, do what's called a SAR, right? And so you're basically watching porn for a day and a half, right? And then you they, they want to make sure everybody does it. The most arousing porn that I watched, right, was it was a film and it was just that you could see a guy and a girl and you couldn't see anything else. Like the, it was just like their chest and above and they were like m- masturbating together. And I was like, wow, this is like really hot. 
as a gay man, I mean, I was like, wow, this is like a really interesting and like very erotic, right? It's kind of like that whole thing that you can't see, you know? Yeah. Right. Your imagination does the work. Sure, but I think I get a lot of guys that come into my practice and they have like these lots of shame, right? Around sex, right? Um, and we deal with a lot of shame stuff, but really sex is a very much a relational issue. And I think one of the things is, is that people don't have the conversation at the beginning of their relationships, like how much sex do you like to have when you're in a relationship, right? So they may say, nobody says, oh, I like to have sex maybe once every two weeks, right? Whereas the other person says, I like to have sex every day. And that's where we get into the huge issues is that people have experiences, maybe they're sexually incompatible and they're not dealing with it. And so then they sit in bad death and, you know. <laughs> so, so hold on. So this is actually a great point. So one of the things I'm gonna say, so me being a Catholic, when obviously me and my wife got married, went to pre-Cana. And so pre-Cana, you sit there in the church and like you're like getting taught the things that like, people deal with through marriages, but you're doing uh -huh. it with everybody who's getting married, right? So like you're in a room full of other people getting married around the same time as you. One of the things that like, it's so funny that you say that, but yet so smart because it's like, one of the things that like people talk about a lot is most people don't talk about money. They don't talk about their debts. They don't talk about what money they have. They don't have to talk about like those types of things. But not only do they not talk about that, but they, they, typically they don't talk about what you just said, right? Where it's like, hey, here's what I need. And then next thing you know, you're in a marriage or you're in this relationship for like what? Like it could be a year, it could be 10 years, it could be 20 years. And it's like, you're just trying to go through the motions. But I think that's such a powerful thing you just said right there. And well, if we had, if we had conversations, you know, my daughter, uh, she used to say um, monogamy is for lesbians. Right. And she would say, you know, like it's for lesbians. And like she would, that's what she would say. Dad, monogamy is for lesbians. Well, I think it's like conversations. I mean, that's the whole thing about like penguins are monogamous, right? Like if we look at monogamous creatures, I think like penguins are monogamous. Humans are not monogamous. Monogamy is a choice, right? Which is a whole other thing. But then you get somebody who, Maybe they talked about their sex. Maybe they talked about their frustrations and their partner didn't listen, so on and so forth, right? And so that's what you're dealing with to come to terms. My job is to help people feel good about the decisions that they make in their right. life. Right. I love that. So this has been extremely informative. Now, we have 10 minutes left. We have a few questions left. One of the things I want to mention or, or talk about a little bit. So you, you just mentioned your daughter. Now, is that why you named your, your practice when you named it? Yeah, so my daughter, she had cystic fibrosis, right? And so she passed away. She was waiting for a transplant, and she passed away in 2019. And she was and, – and so – I mean, it just, it was like, that's what happened. And so I thought it was a way to kind of like honor her life 
And so her name is was Lake, L-A-I-K-E, right? And so when I was like thinking of a name, it used to be Richard Mills Therapy, right? But I was like, that's kind of boring, Richard Mills Therapy. So then I was like, well, I want to re, you know, I want to give some honor to her, right? So and that's why I called it Lake Rising Therapy. That's beautiful, man. And first off, obviously, you know, we are so sorry to hear about that with your daughter. But yeah, you got to celebrate the life, right? Great person. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there was a, I was going through a real shitty time with grief and I read this really good book. It's called Resilient Grieving. And the lay, the woman who she had lost her daughter um, through a car accident. And one of the things that she said in the book is not why, but right. why not? She right. said, why not? So yeah. I think it's like, you know, things happen, right? And I think of that that relationship, I believe that that was a appointment in life that I was given and, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, listen, I think, so So in full transparency, so today I was at a charity golf outing and the whole charity behind it was, uh, it's called the Be Like Jake Foundation. So everybody listening and shout out. Also, besides the fact you need to go follow Late rising therapy, and my man over here, Dr. Dick. Um, yeah, be, be like Jake, also. So, you know, they, they lost their son um, at the young age of seven years old um, from brain wow. cancer. And, and one from of the what? biggest from brain cancer. And oh, man. Yeah. One, one of the craziest things I've ever seen like, people that know me personally. Rich, know that like I'm like an unrealistic, optimistic person. Like I'm always trying to look at the positive and everything that we do. And mm-hmm. out there, had a podcast with the family, right? So the father, the mother mm-hmm. of this child, totally not expecting what happened. So we sat there in the podcast. It's almost three or four years ago at this point. And we sat there and and we came up to a position where we're like, hey, you know, we talked about Jake a little bit. And they were like, listen, don't, don't tell me, don't say sorry, right? We're here. Like, Jake was an incredible force. Like, we, we're celebrating his life. This is not a sorry paper. It's a celebration of who he was, what he did on this planet. And it broke my brain because so many people, which rightfully so in so many ways, could look at it like it's like an earth-shattering situation. And to, ha- to be an optimistic person and a family unit, right? Like, they have... There's another daughter in this situation, so there's a daughter mm-hmm. and there's a son, and like they're just so extremely positive, just like you. And you know, you meet people like mm-hmm. yourself. It's so inspiring to be able to see that and look at like, listen uh, again. You didn't talk about who your higher power is, but no matter what, who that is, or anybody listening, whoever your higher power is, it's like when you are able to be at peace with what happens while we're above ground. Like, I just admire the living fuck out of you. Sure. Well, I think it's, like, it's a different, like, you know, I used to be in these, like, Facebook groups with, like, the parents of grieving children, right? And they, I mean, oh, man, those people would, like, get sucked in. And I was, like, three, five, six, ten years later, it's, like, I did a lot of therapeutic work with a therapist around issues of grief, right? And so there's like certain things that I won't deal with in my practice. Like I would not be able to 
if somebody came to me and said, hey, I'm dealing with grief issues related to like the loss of a child, I, I still don't think I'm at a place where I would do that type of work with somebody. I, I respect your honesty and knowing. Way to, way to bring the party down. No. I'm just, I'm being funny. That's my, that is the way that I deal with things is, is through jokes. <laughs> Part of the name of the part of the podcast is breaking barriers, right? So, like at the end of the day, obviously you you've overcame a lot, not just moving to New York, but obviously other situations. So, um, our hat is definitely off to you there. Now we're getting to the end here, so yes, we have two things left. You have to hit us with the Doctor Joe No Solar real quick. So, quick sponsor. All right, ready? Yep. Doctor Joe is an expert with the leading residential solar company in the country. His passion to help others combined with the goal of having the world run on the sun can change how our planet is powered forever. It costs you nothing and you can either totally eliminate your electric bill, that would be so nice, um, or at the very least cut it down significantly. It's free money. Go to www.drjoenosolar.com to see if you qualify for solar and help the world be a better place. And, and just last note on that, I think what's crazy about that whole process, because going back 10 years ago, when people were going and door knocking for solar, like it was a hard credit hit for people to look at your like roof and like actually do solar. And now it's a soft credit check, and then you just don't have a credit, you don't have a bill for your electric. So, or potentially yeah. don't, I mean, depending on how much you use, if you're a million, you probably still have a couple of bills. But, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, but I do well, know started that company probably like taking a walk down the, the, their neighborhood and being like, and they probably were like, how do I make this thing a reality? And I think that's the thing, like, you know, regardless of what, if you want to do something, you can do it. You don't need, so you don't need a degree in business, right? I don't have a degree in business, right? You don't, you just have to have kind of like, and I would say this is also like really important surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I surround myself around people and I'm constantly like asking questions, right? I was that kid in school that was always asking questions. My dad used to pay me a dollar to shut up on the ride home. Now I'm getting paid Love. good money to sit and do therapy. Peggy doesn't, Peggy does the same thing for me. Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> so I but, think it's like that's the piece, right? It's about it's about having vision and realizing like you don't need a, you don't need you don't need a loan, you don't need all these things. You start to say I'm going to I'm going to hustle. I'm going to make this happen. And then eventually your hustle becomes your full-time gig. Yeah. Right. If you want something that you, Yeah, and the thing is the question is like do you want to hustle? Right. That's that's the question. Some people just want it easy. Some people think, oh, you know what? I don't want to work for anybody else. I'm going to work for myself because it's going to be easy. Right. And it's even more difficult. Exactly. Yeah. So two last questions. So yeah. one, we're ready, we're ready to get deep right here. We end off deep. I love, I love that. Okay. So first and foremost, I think that when you're sitting here and you're looking at who you want to be in this planet, you – in my again, this is my opinion. You have to look at who you want to be and work backwards, right? So, sure. 
if you look at who you want to be, right, what better way than to look at your potential headstone when you're dead, right? And most people have a little writing on it that says loving father, you know, Dr. Dick, whatever it says, right? So what would your headstone say, thinking about who you are, what you care about now, what your core values are in life, and looking back to where you are now, what would that gravestone say when you when you're at that point? I think it would it would say like faithful. Oh, I like that. Like I was faithful. What what'd you say? So just faithful, period. Yeah, I think it, that would be one thing I, I think that is important. Like being faithful to yourself, right? And not like quitting. Oh, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. You can't take it with you when you die. Right. But the reason why I ask this question, right? Because when, well, you're right. When we're all done, the glasses on your head, the shirt on all of us here, like what we did on this planet, eventually in 100 years, 200 years, whatever the fuck it is, what if people still respect our legacies, they'll eventually visit your gravestone, which is going to say X, and they're going to think about you when they see X. Well, so, I'm going to have to just think about what I'm going to have to really think about what I want on my gravestone. <laughs> to be like, like something with faithful cat lover, cello enthusiast. I mean, it would be like the 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 owner of the the cats, Al and Bob Noodle. I'm working with like, I'm thinking about doing this book series. It's uh, gonna be called The Adventures of Al, Bob Noodle and... Uh, yeah, that like something along those lines about these cats that live, oh, and Chunky. It's uh, I'm working with this kid that's doing like all the illustrations and we're like, we're coming up with an idea about like what this book would do. But that's another thing too, like, I wrote a book, 25% of my royalties go to the Children of Armenia Fund, right? Because oh. there's a huge displacement over there. So like, I write the Children of Armenia Fund a check. I get checks and I take 25% of whatever I make to, and I give it to charity, right? Um, but I think those things are important. Supporting organizations, giving to charity, like that's a big thing for me. I believe in that, right? I believe in that is something that I have seen come back to me in tenfold because I think I love giving. Whether it's my time, whether it's my financials, whether whatever it is, it's I I think it's about giving giving back, right? Hey, the secret to living is giving. AKA the, leading with kindness. Right. Yeah. Megan always says that. One of, one of the things that, okay, so right now we left off here. So we're going to have to obviously have you back on to think about what your grade school is going to say. But, I know. I'm going to have to come up with that. So I'm not going to push you on that one, but I'm going to push you on this one. So I need, an, I need an original Dr. Dick quote here. What is over the, like, from, the moment that you were a vulnerable kid that you can remember as early as you can up until where you are today, what is a quote that you can manifest and think about that is like- I mean, what my, what my mom said, keep your pants on. So, so expand on it. I mean, she said, 
zip it up, right? I mean, that's what my mom told. I mean, I should call, that's what my podcast should be called. I had my mom on my podcast and she talked about how, I mean, my parents, you know, they're, they're, 70s they're still having sex like five times a week they're amazing i'm like i hope i'm having my dad's a minister my mom she writes books i hope i'm having as much sex as them when i'm their age i love but that, that would be what my mom said she'd be like zip it up son so but, but keep your pants on what does that mean that means uh don't like don't 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 get anybody pregnant, right? But it <laughs> works so well. Okay, I love it. All the closet. All right, Dr. Big, you've been literally fantastic. For people listening in, where can they find you? So website, social media, the whole oh, thing. My website is Lake L A L A I K E Rising Therapy. So Lake L A I K E, not L A K E L A I K E Rising Therapy. And then my Instagram is uh, Lake Rising Therapy as well. And they can find or let me. I mean, I see this is what I'm bad at. I need it's the, there's some things that you just can't do, and that's called uh, running your Instagram, right? Like. That sometimes you have to hire people to do it because you don't have time, right? So that's my that's my Instagram. So that's yeah. So I that like is yeah. All right, that's where hashtag you plug yourself. So everybody listening in, thank you so much. Thank you to our sponsors, Hatteras, as well as Dr. Jono Solar. Um, big shout out to obviously Lake Rising Therapy. Obviously, listening to this man right here what he's been through, how he helps. And what I love about you is that you're just real. Like you're not, there's not been one thing you said today that was just bullshit or you're just trying to be like politically correct. Like you're just being who you are. I think that's why you get results in your practice. And that's what I've well, Because people, people can read the bullshit, right? Yeah. And I think the thing is, is when people come into my office, they want somebody who's real, right? And you know, I think that that's important to be real and to be honest with people and to be just transparent because at the end of the day, that's what people are going to remember about you is that it's like, I would rather give somebody a lot of honesty than a lot of, uh, you know, not honesty. I love that. Me and Megan are coming out to New York. We're all getting drinks yeah. ASAP. We're gonna yes, have a little- I'll put it on my, I'll put it on my calendar because I am now using um calendly right there that's amazing ever since i talked to you i've been using it because it's it's made my life so much easier honestly calendly because i'll tell you what literally calendly has changed the life of our entire organization oh yeah shout out to calendly 100 getting it was a sponsor asap but we're coming out there we're coming to text you on the side of this because we are all coming out we're gonna we're gonna have some drinks we're gonna get deeper and uh and I again, want to know all your sex tips. <laughs> I mean I can give a lot I have a lot of sex tips. That's yeah. what I do. It's not very sexy though. It's like the most unsexy job, like you know, dealing with sex all day. They say, they say sex sells when you get into it. It's like sex is not the most sexy job. It's funny. It's just an oxymoron. Yeah, and my podcast is called Talk Sex with Dick. So yeah. it's uh, you can listen to it on all the platforms. Everybody that is listening, you got to take a look at that. Anybody that thinks they have a problem, might in the future have a problem, get some tips, get some learning in. Dr. Dick knows what you need to do. 
And, yeah, uh, and again, I'm gonna revive the podcast. I just need to, it's like, again, that's when you know when you have too much going on. Sometimes it's like so you have to bring people in to help you with those things. 100%. And again, time is the one asset we don't get back. So you spending it here with us, uh, Dr. Dick means the world to us. So thank you so much. Everybody listening in, create an amazing day. And again, thank you so much for your time. Yep. Take care. All right. Thank you.